The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. We've got to look to the draft. We've got to look to developing the guys that are currently here and obviously retain as many of these guys as we can. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 15th. J.P. Shadrick with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks, Jaguars.com senior writer John Osier. Give us a listen on the podcast page at Jaguars.com or, as you likely are doing right now, the official Jaguars Podcast Network. That's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you download your podcasts. And here we are, just Hours away as we record this from the start of the league year, the ball drops at 4 o'clock Eastern time, Wednesday the 15th. That's today. You know, a lot of news already coming out, Bucky. That's how it works in the negotiation window. And uh, it'll become all official after 4 o'clock today. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of crazy watching it all take place, like all of the unofficial deals that have hit the market. But the one thing that we know is when the league year starts, everything will be fast and furious, not only with the signings that we've heard about, but then with guys having the opportunity to visit other teams, we'll see a slew, a slew of signings coming shortly thereafter. I see some angst, JP, some angst, angst out there on from, Twitter. From whom? Uh, out there on Twitter, among the readers. and uh, you know, uh, To refresh, it's reported that Juwan Taylor is, is uh, signing with the uh, – Kansas City Chiefs. That's right, as the left tackle, but yes. It's reported that Arden Key is signing with the uh, Tennessee Titans. That's right. Chris Manhurts to the Broncos. So we can go through each one, but uh, none of these to me are surprising, and the approach isn't surprising. I'm I'm getting emails from people saying, well, they're getting complacent. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. This was the plan. This isn't complacency. This is trying to get the cap in order. And, again, it goes back to – you had to spend a lot in the last two or three years, uh, particularly the last two years, to get the team to a point where it could do what it did last year. It had to get back afloat from a very, very dark place, a very deep place in the ocean. Uh, so you had to do what you did last year, and now once you've done that, you have to get yourself back into a situation where you can stay afloat. You can't participate huge in free agency this year and think that you're not going to sink at some point. You have to get yourself back to a place where you can manage the cap over the long term. And there are a few hard decisions, but I don't think they're brutally hard decisions, and and I think they were prepared for. Yeah, no, I think the, the, the thing about it uh, that I would worry about, like with Taylor and Key, if they both left, uh, both of those guys appear to be like glue guys. And so when you think about what Arden Key means to the defense and the mentorship and just the versatility that he provided and how he filled in with whatever role was needed, that utility presence will be missed with him departing and going to Tennessee if he kind of follows through on his plan. Juwan Taylor is difficult because it's a draft and develop guy, someone you drafted, someone you developed to a point where you started at right tackle and now another team covets him as a left tackle. You hate to lose those guys. And so it just puts more pressure on the front office and coaches to identify the right fit and then to make sure that they develop those fits so they can become contributing players for the long term. 
Here's my thing with Arden Key, uh, Bucky. I love Arden. I mean, I got to know him a little bit last year. Uh, l- really like the guy, and I completely agree with you that he was key to what they were last year uh, with some leadership, with some big plays. At the same time, you're supposed to be able to add that. You're supposed to be able to go find that as well. It, it's a league of transition. It's a league where you have roster churn. He was he was a one-year guy. You're supposed to be able to go get another one-year guy or a young guy to replace that. Um, you're not going to keep the same you know, 15 key guys on your roster every year. This is part of the churn, and he's an example of a guy to me that you should be able to replace. I'm not saying it's not... I'm not saying that it doesn't have to be done, but you should be able to do it. He's not a 10-sack guy, right? I mean, he's a yeah. four-and-a-half, five-sack guy, Bucky, and, and those guys, in theory, you can go find in the offseason. In theory, you should be able to go find those. But I will say, in reality, it puts more pressure on Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, and some of the other young guys that have sack potential to step up and do those things. The reason why I say his versatility might be missed is because it's hard to find an outside-inside player, meaning someone who is just as comfortable standing up and playing outside as he is putting his hand in the dirt and being a three or five technique, which is what Arden Key was able to do. And so, yes, we can go into open market and, and, and find those guys, but sometimes there's something to be said for the chemistry and rapport that a veteran brings. Now, it comes at a price, and you're hoping that you can find the right guy at the right price point like you did with Arden Key. But I'm saying I wouldn't necessarily say that he is the most uh, easily replaced veteran that we have. There are other guys that will say, oh, it's easy to replace what they have. I think he's a little different in terms of what he brought to the team and the position that he played. I, I definitely agree he's difficult to replace. I would say this to your first point, Bucky. Um, you're exactly right that it puts pressure on Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker, to a degree Chad Muma. Uh, that kind of goes back to the point I've been hitting all off season. Uh, when you draft in 2022, uh, guys in the first round, uh, they're supposed to have pressure in the second year to perform. They're supposed to be the core of the defense this year. So it it's absolutely a test to that. Um, if if you're going to be a draft and develop team, you, you signed Arden Key on a one year deal basically to get you through this year until you got to Trayvon Walker and uh, Devin Lloyd as mature second-year players. Is there pressure on those guys? Absolutely, because they need to be the core of the defense this year. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. When you grade a guy and you take him in the first round, everyone has to understand that. You give a guy a first-round grade because the expectation is he is to be a starter and a core player of your team by the end of year one, definitely in year two. So the pressure is definitely on Devon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Chad Moomer to a lesser degree. Those guys have to be core players, part of a nucleus that serves as the foundation for what is a playoff team. This is the Huddle Up Podcast, J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osier. Now to replacing some of these players the Jaguars are losing. You know, swing tackle, it feels like Walker Little obviously can, can play both sides, but you know, maybe you just insert him on the right side. Cam Robinson's on the left side. So what's the, the answer at swing tackle? What's the answer at big blocking tight end with Chris Manhurts now headed to the Broncos? And, of course, we've just mentioned the defensive line a little bit. So 
Is this, you know, this could be second, third tier free agency, Bucky, or draft and develop? I mean, this is kind of where they are right now to fill those roles. Yeah, so I would say this. Chris Manhurst in the tight end position, that is easily uh, replaced in the draft. This draft class is loaded at tight end. Uh, You may have 11 tight ends that come off the board in the first three rounds, or guys that carry uh, top three round grades. Swing tackle is a little different. And when you think about your offensive line, you're trying not to necessarily upset the apple cart. Because Cam Robinson has been so comfortable at left tackle, it is easier to put the pressure on Walker Little to figure out how to play right tackle and be good at that. That way you have a level of continuity, uh, people are comfortable in their roles, and you don't have the musical chairs that you could have in the offseason. I would also say that this might be the time to draft another offensive tackle to get a young guy that can also be ready to play either one of those spots. What would you think, Bucky, and, I, and I'm sort of warm to it, uh, offensive tackle in the first round? Uh, I, think, I think, look, it's, it's, it's a definitely in play. Uh, the draft is a little different. It will, it, it will a lot of d- depend on who goes and how soon that run on offensive tackles happens. But all of the offensive tackles that are graded in the first round, that would be – um, Peter Skaronsky, you're here, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, uh, Darnell Wright from Tennessee, and even to a lesser degree, Osiris Torrance. All of those guys have first-round grades. It's just a matter of when the first domino goes, you know that there's going to be a run shortly thereafter. Will the Jaguars be able to sit and pick where they're at at the bottom of the first round and have one of those guys come to them? Is there a guy um, – and – Bucky's sort of the draft guru, you know, Jay. I've heard like, about he's that. He's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's it, a list maker. It was hard to talk to him at the combine. Makes lists. Um, he, he, <laughs> he will make a list. Um, <laughs> it, is there a guy who could conceivably play guard as a rookie, tackle later in that first round at 25? To me, that makes some sense uh, if you want your first rounder to play as a rookie. Oh, well, then that's your Florida Gator, or Cyrus Torrance, who can do that because he's a natural guard. My but there are people Gator, that are considering. Yeah, your Florida Gator. Yeah, that's you right. get those guys. Um, he, he can play guard. He has shown the ability to do that. In fact, when you look at the tape of uh, – it used to be the cocktail party. I don't know what it's called now. I know it's always changing. But when you watch Florida Georgia, party. that is a good game. Okay. Um, when you watch him play against Jalen Carter, he more than held his own. I guess the guy that has been talked about as the number one overall player in the draft class. Uh, so you can do that. Darnell Wright is another interesting one because he's a big body. He's over 330 pounds. He plays right tackle for Tennessee. But there's been conversation about him kicking inside. And so there definitely are some of those players who have swing ability, meaning inside and outside, that you can plug in inside early and then kick them out late as, they, uh, as you get more comfortable with them and as they uh, become – comfortable playing in the league and they can bounce outside i know you went to a basketball school bucky but down here in florida <laughs> they have big football games with big names <laughs> attached to them. so right. uh, it ain't duke and carolina uh-uh. in basketball but yes they have big games with big names that's right they may not officially call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party anymore but yes it still is The 2023 season is on the horizon, and you won't want to miss it, so lock in your seat to the bank this fall. Place your deposit at jaguars.com slash tickets. Seat selection is coming soon, and the perfect spot is waiting for you. 
Well, a lot of quarterback news around the league. That's after this. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. It's Wednesday, March 15th. J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, and Bucky Brooks. And Daly's Place kicks off another unforgettable season. April 14th, country superstar Kenny Chesney comes to town. Music lives here. And we've got something for everyone with Old Dominion, Tedeschi Trucks Band, Yellow Card, Wu-Tang Clan, and Nas, and much, much more. For a full list of shows and to get tickets, visit dailiesplace.com. Hey, uh, John, I'll give you five bucks if you can name me three members of the Wu-Tang Clan that are, that are actually touring right now with them. Ted Wu. Nope. <laughs> Jerry Wu. And Bill Tan. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, you're over. It's a good group, Bucky. Rizid, Jizza, Method Man, Raekwon, Ghostface, yeah. Killa, Inspected Deck, uh, U God, Master Killa, and Capadonna are touring with them. I was uh, that was I mean, the list I was going to say. It is all about the cream, man. <laughs> Cash moves everything around me. Cream get the money. Dollar dollar bills, yo. <laughs> Looking forward to that show. That's going to be fun. <laughs> all right. So uh, speaking of money. Um, Quarterbacks are getting a lot of it, and there's a lot of quarterback news around the NFL. I mean, we're, we're allegedly just a little while as we record this away from hearing the Aaron Rodgers decision, whether he's going to the Jets or not. That's the number one story around the league. Lamar Jackson's not far behind that. He's been tagged, but he can officially start talking to other teams after 4 o'clock Wednesday. Derek Carr's down in New Orleans now. Jimmy Garoppolo has made a move. I mean, that's just to name a few, and... You know, I thought last year's quarterback moves were huge. This is right there with it, Bucky. I mean, there there are guys flying all over the league right now. Yeah, there's a lot of moving around, a lot of uh, moving parts. Quarterbacks are kind of on the carousel, kind of making their way. And what you're seeing is everyone is looking at the quarterback class and trying to make sure that they're ready um, to play regardless of if they're able to get a quarterback or not in the draft at the top of the board. And so that kind of dictates the terms when it comes to the draft, and then everyone will kind of follow suit. I think it's interesting when we look at free agency, uh, we always have to compare it and contrast it to the draft class. And what we've heard and what we're seeing for the draft is um, up at the top, not as many blue chippers, but some solid players. And so what teams are doing is they're looking at the draft and saying, you know what, I may not be able to get a blue chip player in this position, I'm going to go spend some money and get a veteran player, and so vice versa. And so it'll be interesting to see how it continues to spin over the next few days because we know all of the activity happens the first week, then there's a reset, and then that's when you can begin to find some bargain players. Maybe the Jaguars are just on the outside looking in, waiting for an opportunity to grab a few valued players to fill in some of those needs that we still have on the board. And that's where I think, you know, that's the best place to play in free agency. I mean, it, it, uh, for the good of your team over the long haul, uh, I tell this story all the time, JP. When I was with the Colts, you know, I used to work for the you Colts. You worked there? Um, really? There were years, many years, where I think symbolically as much as anything, if you walked through their uh, scouting personnel offices on the first day of free agency, there was nobody there. Lights were out and – because they were not going to participate in that because they were about re-signing their own guys. They knew they weren't going to be active. Uh, and if you're re-signing your own guys correctly, you can do that. You know, you don't want to have 
the press conferences that we've had on day one, JP, where you've got five or six guys parading out yeah. because that's how you get into a situation like they are this year where they really can't re-sign a guy they would have liked to have had. Um, so you've got to be smart, and they are trying to get back to being a – or not back, they've never been a team. They're trying to get to a team that is comfortable and that the fans are comfortable with that second tier. Hey, uh, Bucky, as far as Lamar Jackson, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, where do you come down on uh, the guarantee and how the Ravens are handling this? How it, I see both sides of it. I get why the Ravens are hesitant, but I get why Lamar needs to be paid. Yeah, no, this is always a tricky one when it comes to quarterbacks and those things. And I will say this, like Lamar Jackson should have been paid a couple years ago. Uh, the Ravens certainly benefited from Lamar Jackson playing like a, playing at an MVP level while he was on a rookie contract. And when you look at the players that he was surrounded by, he didn't have many marquee players, particularly in the passing game, to throw to. That said, I can understand when Lamar Jackson elected to walk onto the field and play without getting his contract done, he took the risk. And the risk that he took is in the past two years, he suffered injuries that have knocked him out at the end of the year. And so now when it's time to re-up the deal, the Ravens can hold his injury history against him. And so when we think about fully guaranteed money and the things that the owners cling to, uh, availability, durability, all those things come into play. At some point, though, they need to get this thing done one way or the other. And whether it's Lamar Jackson saying, hey, I'm going to play on this transition tag because eventually I want to get to free agency, or the team kind of ponying up money to kind of get him in the building. The one thing we know, the Ravens are, I think, 46 or 45 and 16 with him, and their record is dismal without him. At some point, they need their quarterback to show up because they're not in a position to be able to draft one. And so uh, they got to figure out how to get number eight in the building. Yeah, you say hold the injury thing against him, and I get that. There's also a reality that players usually don't get more durable as they age. So I understand... From a team's point of view, I understand why you're hesitant to pay a guy who hasn't been on the field the last couple of years. It, it's tough. The only thing about that, though, John, is like Jimmy Garoppolo got paid, and he's been hurt the last three yeah, years. True. Uh, you've had other guys like Joe Burrow is going to get paid. Joe Burrow had an ACL injury, which is not what Lamar Jackson has suffered. Deshaun Watson got paid when he had an ACL. So guys have been hurt and banged up. Dak Prescott broke his leg and still got paid. So that's not necessarily the thing. With the quarterback, um, the quarterback normally gets paid regardless of whether they get hurt or not, particularly if it's a franchise guy who's got accolades and has been uh, responsible for winning. When Daniel Jones gets paid like he's gotten paid, it kind of changes the market. And so yeah. they got to figure it out. Like it's one of those things that ideally you pay the quarterback sooner rather than later. And maybe it's because he didn't have representation or whatever. This is something that should have been done two years ago. And so – now they're here, and now everything is up in a tizzy because with him on the franchise tag, like it just is going to clog up all of their salary cap space, and they can't be really active shoppers on the market until they figure out what to do with a quarterback. Yet another reason, JP, for the Jaguars to move Boy. quickly next year. Absolutely. Uh, which, which you've got to think they will with, oh, with, with Trevor Lawrence. And, it, and, and it's going to boggle everyone's mind because I'm telling you now, Trevor Lawrence is going to be in the $50 million club. And so people have to get ready for that because the deals that are on the horizon with Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, 
Trevor Lawrence is going to be looking at $50 million minimum annually. And so everyone just has to, like, swallow hard and understand Trevor Lawrence is going to be in the $50 million club. Well, there's no club right now, right? Uh, yeah, but he's, he's going to be one of the one of the first ones past first the COVID man. ropes. That's a lot of coffees out of and Jack's JP Beach. JP will be calling him all the time, asking him for money. A lot of coffees at Jack's Beach for Trevor Lawrence. Um, hey, by the way, the Ravens are coming to Jacksonville next year. They're on the schedule um, as a Jaguars home game. So uh, something to watch out for. We'll see. Uh, Bucky, a lot going on this week. Appreciate the time as always, and we'll uh, catch you again next week. Hey, man, thanks so much for having me on. It's always fun chatting with my guys. That's Bucky, Bucky Brooks, thanks. NFL Network, John Osier, Joe Fortunato on the audio. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for listening. And get all the podcasts on Jaguars.com on the podcast page or the official Jaguars Podcast Network on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Leave us a comment and a five-star rating. This is the Huddle Up Podcast.